It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, October 19, 2021. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Yesterday was the end of a month-long public comment period on investment opportunities for the U.S. Department of Agriculture on the Tongass National Forest. The federal agency announced this year it would seek to spend up to $25 million on projects or workforce development in Southeast. The categories range from tourism to renewable energy, carbon sequestration and timber management, recreation, transportation, fisheries and mariculture. The U.S. Forest Service and other agencies of the department held online open houses on the initiative last month. Deputy Regional Forester Chad Van Ormer said the goal was to be able to identify investment opportunities relatively quickly. Really, we're looking at projects that would begin to, you know, be able to put on the ground in in, uh, field season of 2022. And as everyone knows, um, they don't just magically appear May 1st. Um, There's a lot of work that needs to start pretty much yesterday uh, to get things uh, lined up and uh, for an effective uh, implementation here into the next field season. So there is a a degree of um, having to, once we get some indication from the secretary of where he wants to go, we'll immediately start getting to work on things. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack will decide on the projects that could see funding or technical support from the federal government. Vilsack in July also announced an end to large old-growth timber harvest on the Tongass, plans to reinstate roadless rope protection on the nearly 17-million-acre forest, and a pledge to consult with Alaska Native tribes. Alaska's congressional delegation blasted the new direction, calling it a one-time payment in exchange for long-term jobs and economic opportunity. After days of heated public testimony, a mask mandate went into effect in Anchorage for most indoor areas on Thursday. The ordinance has numerous exceptions written into it and no clear penalties for violating, which has led some to question whether it will help reduce the spread of COVID. Alaska Public Media's Lex Trinan reports on how that question is playing out at small businesses across the city. Samantha Barr, co-owner of Granny's Guns in Southeast Anchorage, is no fan of masks. I have asthma. I wear mine if I go into a store that requires it, but in general, I don't care for them. She doubts they work, and she says gun stores are especially susceptible to would-be thieves, so people walking in with masks make her nervous. She says she'll let people coming in wear masks anyway, and she'll even consider wearing one if a customer asks her to. I will probably just do it on a case-by-case basis. Like I said, I don't, I don't expect this administration to enforce this. Barr's attitude reflects that of some businesses in Anchorage that oppose mask requirements. Instead of actively enforcing the mandate, some have opted to post the text of the ordinance in their windows. On social media, some customers say they're sticking with businesses that don't enforce the mandate. Ordinance supporters say they expected that, and they point to what they see as a silent majority of businesses that are making changes, like at Fatboy Vapors, an electronic cigarette shop. Owner Matt Wagner. I'd say there is an increase in folks wearing masks, and I'd also say that there's certainly some upset individuals. Compliance isn't perfect, and online social media posts suggest that many are taking advantage of exemptions for people with disabilities. T-shirts that say the wearer is part of Dave Bronson's administration, which is also exempted under the ordinance, are available online. 
But Midtown Assemblymember Meg Zalatel, who sponsored the ordinance, says that's okay. What we've heard from public health experts is we don't need perfect compliance. What we need is pretty much majority compliance. Um, and in, in addition to other mitigation measures, this is really the lowest hanging fruit. She says that under a previous mask mandate that went into effect last year, compliance went up by about 20 percent, even with similar exemptions and without clear enforcement mechanisms. Some businesses are happy about the change. At the Tiny Gallery, an art shop in downtown Anchorage that relies largely on tourist spending, owner Lorette Rose says she's hopeful the mandate will reduce COVID spread. If you look around downtown, there's not a lot of foot traffic. There's not people walking around, and that's not because of the mask mandate. That's because of case counts being high and people working from home. That That's worse for downtown businesses than any mask mandate could possibly be. The idea that mask mandates will help business is borne out by academic research, says Nolan Clauda, who directs the University of Alaska Center for Economic Development. He cites a University of Washington study. The communities that had a rule requiring masks in most public places uh, had 5% more consumer spending than those that didn't have it. Surgical masks, when worn properly, can reduce COVID spread by about 10%, according to a recent large-scale study. But Clauda says the more important piece is the perception that they work. A fear of infection is the biggest thing that keeps people away from local spending. So if you're easing that, uh, that fear, then any, anything that does that is, is likely to increase a little bit, you know, um, people spending locally. Mandate supporters on the assembly hope the carrot of economic recovery will help convince more people to mask up. They also hope the Bronson administration will use the stick of enforcement, something it so far hasn't shown it's willing to do. Reporting in Anchorage, I'm Lex Trinan. Haynes High Schoolers recently debuted a mural project at the skate park in a community event. As KHNS's Corinne Smith reports, the students' outdoor art project also had a brush with vandalism that was a learning experience for the young artists. There is a palpable excitement in the air as students, families, teachers and friends gathered on a cool fall evening to view Haynes' Art Students Skate Park Mural Project. There's food, music, and catching up, as it's also one of the first community events since a recent COVID surge last month. I, it's real nice. I'm, I'm so happy people are coming out here to come look at our pieces. Senior Trigvi Backey stands on a ramp looking out over the large covered skate park as skaters sail by and younger kids play on the ramps. We've been working on it since uh, late August, early September. It was a whole class Kind of describing the process of how do uh, how do you spread artwork via you know graffiti and how we do that legally, uh, you know write a proposal to the borough and kind of explain what we were doing. The class, led by art teacher Giselle Miller and assisted by local artist Jeremy Sedham, involved developing proposals with designs and budgets submitted to the borough. They studied the history of graffiti and street art, painting and spray painting techniques, and executed their ideas. Now the walls and ramps are graced with distinct, colorful paintings in different styles and sections. I worked on like that kind of universe painting over there. That was a lot of fun to make. Beside the planets in orbit, there's a large formline killer whale. It's one of several artworks that were there previously and have been incorporated. There's also a multicolored face looking out, painted by a Haynes youth, Mario Benassi Jr., who died tragically in a river accident in California several years ago. 
Now there's a new mural of Benassi beside it, singing and playing guitar. Freshman Hayden Jimenez stopped skating to chat. He says before, the skate park was kind of forgotten. There was trash and a lot of penis drawings. It was maybe even intimidating to some. Now it's a lot more fun. Yeah, it's a lot more fun, better like energy just in general of the skate park. Um, yeah, there's some pretty cool and talented artists and art pieces. On one wall is a striking woman in profile, wearing a mask, shedding one dark blue tear. I really like pop art and comic book art, so that was my inspiration for that. Senior Aubrey Cook is the artist and reflects on what it was like to display her work in a public space. I think it is so cool. I have never done any type of piece like this, especially this big. I've never done a piece this big. And if you had came in here before, it was kind of just like a bunch of graffiti everywhere with like inappropriate things. But now it's like a really beautiful space. And we all learned that it's a living, breathing space, which means like eventually this is going to get covered up by other people's artwork. But we're really thankful for what we, that we had this opportunity to paint. And it was a tough lesson. During the course of the project, some pieces were partially vandalized and had to be repainted. Art teacher Giselle Miller says there were apologies and the class addressed this situation together. And that's part of street art. That's part of graffiti is that it changes and evolves. And I think that teaching students that impermanence is also really important. And I've done a couple larger pieces and they're not around anymore. So documenting is really important part of the process. Miller says she's incredibly proud of their personal and artistic growth. The community can view the students' artwork now at the skate park. In Haines, I'm Corinne Smith. Taking a look at the community calendar. The Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium sponsors an all-ages, 29-day fitness challenge beginning Monday, October 18th. Participants set goals and track their active outdoor minutes. Weekly prizes, including high-visibility jackets, are raffled throughout. For more information, contact Doug Osborne at 966-8674. To register, go to search.org slash stayactive. Search provides flu vaccines at its COVID-19 vaccine clinics 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Tuesday and Wednesday, October 19th and 20th at Harrigan Centennial Hall. Walk-ins are welcome. Flu vaccines are also available at all Sitka Search locations. For a clinic appointment, call the clinics. The Sitka Climate Action Task Force meets at 6.30 p.m. today via Zoom. Sitka Tells Tales returns with a new live storytelling event, Being in the Question, Stories of Curiosity and Science, airing here on KCAW at 7 p.m. today. The event is hosted by Art Change Inc., Raven Radio, Sitka Sound Science Center, and the Sitka Whale Fest. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. This is Morning.